Welcome to the True Wealth Investors Podcast, a show all about real estate investing to help increase your income, lifestyle, and impact. Today's host is my dad, Chad Harris, who whenever he watches the movie The Other Guys, he laughs so hard he cries. All right. Hello, everybody. You know, we are about uh, eight or nine weeks into the COVID shutdown or stay-at-home orders. And when this whole process started, everybody was worried about private market and thought that Section 8 was really the best thing to have if you had Section 8 residents. And now at this point, our private market residents have been paying great. We have had no issues and all of my headaches are with Section 8 residents and that program. So this week and next week, I'm going to cover what Section 8 is and kind of the process. This week will be what it is and the process, how to rent to a Section 8 applicant. Next week will be the pros, cons, and stories from the best scenario to the very worst scenario. And I've seen both. So um, I hope it helps and there really is uh, benefits to it and cons to it. And it's really going to be up to you. So what is Section 8? Um, Section 8 is also called the Housing Choice Voucher Program. And it's a federal program to subsidize housing for low-income families. So instead of the government housing low-income families in these big projects and giant complexes and having all of them living together, then with Section 8, the low-income family gets their rent paid by the federal government and they get to go out and find a house in any neighborhood uh, where the landlord will accept them. And so... That's the basis of the program. It's funded by the federal government, and that funding goes to a local public agency, and the program is administered by that local agency. So because of that, the program changes or varies by county or area. So here in Ohio, um, the county that I primarily work in is a large urban county, and so they have a large Section 8 program, and they function very differently than the county to the north or most counties surrounding it that are more rural counties and smaller Section 8 programs. So um, I'm going to talk about the big overview, and if you're interested in finding out more, then you need to go to your local agency and get there. Uh, specific information because it will vary slightly. So how is Section 8 organized? Essentially, in a traditional uh, rental, you as the owner, um, you have an agreement with your tenant, right, or applicant. And the two of you agree to how you, um, you're going to rent the house to them and you put that in a lease. Well, with Section 8, it's the same process, except you have a third party involved. And so you still need to find an applicant or a tenant that you want. You need to have a house that that tenant wants to live into. 
And then your third party is the Section 8 agency um, that needs to approve the property and say that the property meets their standards. And they also need to approve the applicant and say the applicant is abiding by their rules. So once all three parties are happy, um, then you sign a lease with the tenant and there's paperwork between you and Section 8, Section 8 between Section 8 and the tenant, and, um, and then everybody's involved. And all three parties will be involved for the duration of the time that tenant stays in your property. So you'll have an inspection process to make sure your house is up to the standards and that the tenant can move in and that Section 8 will pay your rent. And then annually, uh, you'll have that inspection process to make sure the house meets their standards. Similarly, that tenant will have to annually meet with Section 8 and make sure that they still meet Section 8 standards to be approved. So that's the basics of the program. At its very best, Section 8 is a great program that provides you uh, with consistent rent payments. Um, sometimes they pay all of the tenant's rent, so, and other times if the tenant has a job, then Section 8 will pay a portion of the rent. So um, I've seen Section 8 pay all of the rent, all the way down to if that tenant works their way up, gets a better job, or their children move out. We've had it where the tenant is still in the Section 8 program, but Section 8 doesn't pay any of their rent. And so at that point, the Section 8 program is kind of like an insurance policy for the tenant. If they lose their job, they are still in the program and they just resubmit their income. So again, at its very best, the Section 8 program is a good way for you to get consistent payment of your rent. Um, and it's a you can know that you are helping a low-income family get good housing. Because a lot of times your house that you're offering to rent in that program is going to be in a better neighborhood, um, better area, and it's better for that family than if they were to be living in a project. So that's what it is at its best. At its worst, it is a large government, federally governed program that has a bunch of red tape and regulations and doesn't necessarily operate on logic and uh, it can be very frustrating to work with and at its very worst with the residents there are some residents who have uh we'll say entitlement uh issues where they feel like they should be given everything and they are very distant from an ownership mentality where they want to take care of things so that's at its very worst and I, I'm not saying any of these are true for everybody. These are just the best to worst cases. So if you have a house or a an apartment, half double, whatever, that you want to rent to a Section 8 applicant, here is the basic process. So you're going to start by um, advertising your unit and trying to find that Section 8 applicant. So... For me, I like to list it on a website called GoSection8.com. 
That helps me if this is a house that I specifically want to rent to a Section 8 applicant. Through that website, I pretty much will only get responses from people who have their Section 8 voucher. Um, if you market the traditional ways with a sign out front or online, Zillow, all the different websites, Trulia, whatever, then you're going to get a mixture of private market and Section 8 applicants. And you'll need to choose your way of screening them out. Um, you have the freedom to deny a Section 8 applicant because they have Section 8. I don't believe you have the freedom to deny a private market applicant because they don't have Section 8. So if you specifically want Section 8 applicants, it's better to market specifically so that you will get Section 8 applicants. So once you have an applicant, they have their voucher, then they're going to, I still have them fill out the application like normal. We still do all the background checks, everything like a uh, private market applicant. The only difference is in approving them, we need to check their, verify their income differently. So Section 8 verifies their income, and that's what they use to determine if they, if the Section 8 program will pay their rent. And each applicant uh, who has the voucher, they'll have a folder with all their information in it. Inside there, there will be two specific numbers that you can use to verify how much rent they can pay. So uh, one is the HVS number, that's like the total, and the other is a 40% figure, which is a portion of the income of that resident. So the specific formula we use here is the HVS formula minus the rent plus a utility allowance cannot be more than the 40% figure. So um, let's say the house rents for $1,000. That's a three bedroom house in that folder. There will be what the Section 8 program uses for utility allowance. In there it'll say, based on the appliances in the house and based on the number of rooms and whether it's a single family half double or apartment, it has all the form, all the figures for their utility allowance. So let's say this applicant's uh, HVS figure is $1,100. Your rent is $1,000. And their 40% figure is $400. We'll just say for an example. Then we're going to take their $1,100 HVS figure. We're going to subtract out our rent of $1,000 which means they have $100. We add in the three bedroom utility allowance, Let's say it's 235. So their total is 335. Since their 40% figure is 400, it is more than 335, they would be allowed to rent that unit. Now, if you change the rent to 1100, then their final figure is going to be 435, which means they would not be able to rent the unit. So at that point, you either have to lower the rent uh, enough to allow that final figure to come in under their 40%, or they would just not be allowed to rent the unit. So 
that's how you verify income with them. Once they're approved, you let's say you accept them, you figure their numbers, and they're approved, then you would get their packet or their voucher from them, fill it out, and turn it into the Section 8 office. Now, a couple little keys with that. Number one, at least in our area, Section 8 does not explain to the actual tenants how to use that formula. So they don't know what they can afford. A lot of times their HVS number will be higher, much higher than what they can actually afford. And so they'll be calling on a whole bunch of properties that they can't afford. And so you need to be the one who understands the formula, can explain it to them as to whether they can afford it or not and explain to them what they really can't afford. If they can't afford yours, they're not gonna afford any in that price range and you need to help them by explaining what they can't afford. Additionally, Section 8 tells uh, the, the tenants never to give away their voucher to a landlord. And that has good reasons because that voucher is for the tenant, uh, the only way for them to be able to move into the house. So if they lose it, or if they give it to a landlord who has bad intentions, who maybe collects two or three vouchers and picks the best one, then that will turn out very bad for the applicant. But for us, we have to put in all of our tax information and things like that. So knowing that I have good intentions and if I take that voucher, I'm going to turn it in I want to control the process, so I'm going to get the voucher from the applicant, fill it out on my terms, and turn it in. Um, additionally, it's a problem if you approve an applicant and you don't get the voucher, if you fill out all your information, because then the tenant can hold that voucher um, and wait and not turn it in. And the whole time they're holding that voucher, it's going to delay them moving in and it's going to delay that rent being paid, which is one of the major headaches with Section 8. So once that voucher is filled out by the applicant and uh, you as the new um, owner, it's turned into the office, then you have to wait for the inspection process on your house. Um, generally, you're given three opportunities for your house to pass inspection. So they'll come out if it is if the house is in move-in ready condition, they'll write up some items uh, for you to repair or improve. Then they'll come out again and inspect those specific items. If it's not in move-in ready condition, they won't give you a list. They'll just say you need to make the house in better condition. Then they'll come out and make a list and you have a final inspection to prove you have made those repairs. Before they make a list, they can write up anything they want on that property, inside, outside, whatever. Once they make a list, they only inspect the items on the list. So you can focus on the things that are on that list specifically. Once you've worked with them a while, you get kind of an understanding of what they're looking for. And so you know how to prepare the house for the inspection because a lot of times the things that they worry about aren't things that private market applicants worry about. 
And so it's a good idea to, if you're not familiar with the program, get the information from your Section 8 office because they'll have a little packet that says what they're looking for or a little little booklet that says what they will be looking for on the inspection. When the inspector comes out, they will inspect and they'll write up anything under the sun. And I don't want to get on a big rant about the inspection process. If you've talked to a landlord who's dealt with Section 8, they'll go on that rant easily for you. Um, but you go, you get your house through the inspection process. Once you have your final inspection and you pass, then you'll sign your lease with the tenant, sign the documents with Section 8, and then Section 8 will start making the rent payments and the tenant can move in. That process from turning in the voucher to signing the lease can be anywhere from four weeks to six weeks. So once you rent that house, you're going to have a, a good delay before you ever receive rent. If you rent that house on, let's say, the 10th of the month, you sign the lease on the 10th, a lot of times you won't get that first month's payment until the first of the next month. Um, occasionally in our area, they'll do mid-month checks, but usually it's all um, at the beginning of the month. So just a heads up on how it works. So a lot of times when we talk about Section 8, a new uh, owner will say, well, how do I get my house into the Section 8 program? And it's not as though there is this program and you get your house approved and then you can rent to a Section 8 applicant, right? The Section 8 applicant is who gets in the program and they get their voucher. And then once you decide you will rent to them, then Section 8 comes out and inspects your house to make sure it's approved. That's the process. So the first step is always finding the applicant, approving them, filling out the voucher and turning it in at that point your house will be will be in the inspection process so um, if you talk to landlords who deal with section 8 you'll hear a whole bunch of complaints it's kind of like uh, when I was a high school teacher going in the teacher's lounge at lunch and all you hear are complaints about this student and that student when you talk to landlords who do a section, you're going to hear a bunch of complaints about this inspection and that and this tenant and that. And if you want to look for complaints, there are plenty. Um, but remember, in the end, it is a big government program run by people. And in my experience, most people want to do the right thing. They want to help. They're working in the program because they care about low-income families and they wanted, want it to be good. And so if you start this process, I'd encourage you, be patient, follow it through, and assume the best from the people in the Section 8 program. They are people, there will be some bad seeds, but on the whole, they want to do the right thing, and they care about low-income families, and they care about housing. So I hope that helps give you some idea um, how the Section 8 process works, what a housing choice voucher is, how you approve an applicant with a housing choice voucher, and how you get your house through the inspection process so you can sign the lease. Uh, next week, we'll go through pros, cons, 
some good stories, some horror stories, why you may want to accept Section 8, why you may not want to. And uh, if you were to ask me, you know, should I accept Section 8 or shouldn't I? Am I personally happy I accept Section 8 on some properties or not? It changes day by day and over the years. So when I first started, I didn't accept Section 8 at all because I didn't want the headaches. And then I ended up with a bunch of turnover in my units. So suddenly I decided I it was better to accept the headaches up front. So we started renting a bunch of Section 8. At this point, we have, I think, about 15 units uh, that are still in the Section 8 program. It's a very hot rental market. So um, typically, you know, we list it private market instead of Section 8 now. But really, it fluctuates and it goes back and forth. So that's why we'll go over the pros and the cons. Um, And uh, I hope it helps. I really encourage you to decide you're going to be successful either way. Section 8 can be a part of that and may help you achieve your success, or it may not, and that's okay. It's just another tool or another opportunity to use for you to get from where you are today to where you want to be. So, until next week. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Investors podcast. Visit us at truewealthinvestors.com to find archived episodes with show notes and links mentioned in each episode. Be sure to click the subscribe button today and leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to share how the show is helping you along your real estate investing journey.